So today, we're gonna talk about the question, why can't I stop? So, I got a fun one. It seems to always happen like this. All right, <laughs> so chances are, there are people in this room, me included, that have had or currently have bad habits, something we wished we didn't do, um, bad habits. Maybe they're lifelong struggles, maybe they're new struggles, but we can't kick them. Uh, could be overeating, overspending, smoking, drinking too much, maybe it's too much TV. It's like I just can't get a handle on my schedule because I can't stop watching too much TV. Um, maybe it's lying. Maybe we struggle with telling the truth. Even when it doesn't even matter, we just find ourselves making stuff up. But we can't stop. We want to stop. We know we should, but we can't. Um, maybe, maybe you're always late. Maybe you're always late and you can't ever be anywhere on time. And it's just like, ah, oh, you know, it's like you know that needs to change, but you can't. Um, maybe it's our temper. We get mad too easy. You know, we blow up and it's like, all right, and then next time we're like, all right, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna do better next time. I'm not gonna blow up. Uh, maybe we're judgmental. We're too judgmental of people, you know, and our relationships suffer because we're too busy judging people. Um, we could, maybe we isolate too much. Maybe we're not, we know we need to be better at relationship, but we isolate. We don't make friends. We think about the effort and you're like, oh, no. And it's like, no, I need friends. I need to make this effort. I'm like, no, I don't, you know. You're trying to change that, but you can't. Um, maybe it's uh, you're addicted to your phone. Can't stop scrolling. You know, I'm addicted to, to Facebook or TikTok or, or whatever, right? And you delete the app. And then a couple days go by and then you download it again, right? And you just, and you waste so much time and you're mad at yourself for wasting so much time on it, but you just do it, right? Some of us might have a drug addiction that we can't kick. Some of us have a gambling addiction. Some of us may have a porn addiction, right? We can't stop. And so we prayed and we've tried and we know God doesn't want this in our lives. We know that it's bad for us. We know it's harmful to us. Um, and we begged, we bargained with God. We were like, God, if you would just take this away, I'll never do this again. Or we're like, strive to change it and you do good for a little bit. Maybe it's just a day and then it's, you fail again. It doesn't last. So why can't we change? Why can't we change? Even after we're saved, how come we still got habits and addictions that stick around? Like, hey, I gave my life to Jesus. Why do I still struggle with this? Why didn't God just take this away? Like a, you know, just like a miracle, like heal my disease. Take it away, boom, we're gone. And I shouldn't have to struggle with this anymore. Why, why doesn't God take it away? So I'm gonna pray. God, I just ask that you would speak to us and encourage us by your Holy Spirit to overcome the things in our lives that don't please you, Lord, the things that hurt us, the things that are harmful to others, Lord, and strengthen us by your grace, God, to live the life that you've made us for. And thank you that you've made us for a great life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the reasons. Well, let's look at the reasons. Why do we have bad habits? And I am not a doctor or any kind of scholar at all. So this is gonna be the Tim version because I don't have a lot of time anyways. But there's incredible complexity to how bad habits and addictions are built, um, physiological, psychological, um, emotional, but there are some common elements to all bad habits. And so 
we'll look at them. Why do we have these habits and why do we keep them? So there, there may, we may have developed a habit uh, to deal with some of our emotional issues. Maybe we're angry and if I go have a cigarette or something, I calm down, right? Or, or maybe, maybe I'm always sad, so I open up a screen and I just scroll forever. Maybe I'm sad. Uh, maybe some of these things, maybe, man, like, I know I need to stop doing drugs, but like there's like pieces of happiness and I've done it forever. And like I've done it from, I mean, there's nostalgia there, right? And there's pieces of happiness in there and it helps you emotionally, but you know you need to quit. But there's, there's a reason you have that habit. Uh, maybe it's relational. Maybe you've got family issues. Maybe you've, you've had relationship issues in the past. You're hurt. You feel isolated. You're lonely. And so you reach for this habit to help you with it. Uh, some of us are more physically predisposed to certain addictions, and then other people are not. Like, I struggle with stuff that other people don't struggle with, right? There could be some, some actual physical, physiological, psychological pathways that make it easier for you to, to have this habit and not be able to get rid of it. And then some of it's practical, right? It's like, man, I want to stop. I want to stop drinking, but like all my friends, all my family, I'm like, I'm always around it. It's in my workplace. It's like I can't escape it. um, Overeating or not eating the right stuff, but my pantry's full of bad stuff. My family's pantry's full of bad stuff. You know, it could be an environmental thing, like a practical, like I can't kick it because it's just, I can't escape it. So the reasons can be complex, but... There is a reason behind the reason. Like, why do we do any of these things? Well, we're going for comfort. Deep down, we're going for comfort. We're trying to heal ourselves. We're trying to cope. But God wants more for us. God wants more for us. He doesn't want us to have these things. He wants, to, he wants us to kick these habits because he's got good stuff for us. He's got better for us. There's a spiritual answer that can overcome all these elements. And I know it's complex, and I know. Like, I'm, I'm dumb, like, but I'm telling you. I know there's doctors in here. There's a spiritual answer that can overcome all of it, no matter how complex it is, that throw us into our, our bad habits. It's grace. Grace is the answer to overcome all of these things. It's God's grace. Because the God who created you, he knows what it'll take. He knows what it's gonna take to break this habit, this sin, this addiction in your life. So let's look at the reasons we can't change even though we want to, right? We want to, we agree with God like, I don't want this in my life. I need to stop overspending. It's ruining me, I gotta stop. We've got good intentions, but we've got a wrong strategy, right? We know, we agree in our head, so we try harder, but that's the wrong strategy. We wanna turn away from these things that are destructive, and we know God doesn't want them for us, right? We try harder, we do better, but we fail, and we're stuck in the cycle of failure. And then it just makes it worse. It's like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. I'm, you know, the shame just piles on. You just, you end up being buried under this failure. But then you try, you strain, you're, you're straining, you're working, you're striving to do better. You're working, you're working works. Does that sound familiar? We talk about works in church a lot, right? At the heart of this struggle is we're trying to solve our hardest problems our way. I can be good enough. I can try harder. I can change. I, 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 
the heart, this is the heart of religion, our legalism. I can do it. I need to do this. And this is the, the same hopelessness that we needed saving from, right? If you're a Christian, it's that same law, this, this hopelessness, this legalism of me trying to, to be good enough for God, but I can't, and I know I need a Savior, right? It's the same, very same hopelessness we need saving from, right? So this is the definition of, of legalism, religion, law. It's attempting to be good enough for God. Here's the deal. Your works couldn't save you, right? We're talking about working, striving, trying to do better. Works, works, works. Your works couldn't save you then. Your works can't change you now. My works couldn't save me. My works couldn't change me, right? So, and a lot of us, we've already been down this road, right? We, in this room, we've said, I'm gonna make something in my life. Before we knew Christ, we, you know, we're trying to be good. I'm gonna make something in my life. I'm, I'm gonna make my life work. I'm gonna have a good life. I'm gonna be a good person. Like, I know how to have a fulfilling life. I know how to fulfill myself, right? We ran down that road. Some of us ran down that road hard, and, but we found ourselves hopeless and hopelessly empty. But then Jesus found us, and he met us right where we're at, and he gave us life, and he gave us a hope. He saved us. He gave us his name, right, the beautiful name of Jesus, that's what he did. But the same hopelessness that we needed saving from then is the same thing we need today. Grace. So, as Christians in here, what are we saved by? Yes, grace. So, what is grace? I've got a definition from Dr. Tony Evans. He's a, he's a pastor in Oak Cliff, and he is just an incredible man of God, and I just love his insight. So, this is... The definition he gives, grace is the inexhaustible goodness of God, which he freely bestows upon humans, which is undeserved, unearned, and unable to be repaid. It's inexhaustible. And then he goes on to say this, God's grace has overcome the power of the law or legalism or religion to condemn us for our shortcomings. Grace has overcome that completely and totally. We're not bound by it anymore, and it's inexhaustible. You can't wear it out. There's no end to it. It's inexhaustible. It's inexhaustible power and favor freely given to us. It's freely given to us. We don't have to strive for it. All we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is receive it. Let's look at this, this verse in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For you have been saved by grace through trusting him, it's not through yourselves, it's the gift of God. This has nothing to do with human effort, so don't be proud of yourselves. We're the product of what God does, created in Christ Jesus to do good, which God already planned that we should do. It's not human effort, it's his grace. So we are the product of what God does. God wants us to be the product of what he does, and then he goes on to say, we are created in Jesus to do good things, great things, right? Not these, not these things that we know shouldn't be in our lives, not these habits, these addictions, not this cycle of failure. We were made for good things. We weren't made to just survive and fight back the same fight over and over. God's grace is there for us. 
So let's look at this verse. Let's see what this, this verse describes what grace does, right? So grace saves us, and God's purpose in saving us is that he's got good things for us, that he's planned for us to do, right? And it's not our efforts that get us there. So this is what grace does. This is how it looks like in our life. This is Titus 2.11. For God's grace has been revealed, bringing salvation to everyone. It teaches us to reject a godless way of life with the desires of this world. Instead, we should live thoughtful, self-controlled lives that are right before God in the present world. So this grace that saves us, it's also meant to transform us so that we become the product of what God does and then we get to go on and do the good things which he has already planned for us to do. That's his plan. That's his intention with grace. So what are we doing when we try to do better, be better, when we're striving, when we're putting in human effort, we're forgetting the power of his grace? But we do it all the time. I do it all the time. Right? We, we get saved. We check the box off. And we say, thanks, God. I got it from here. Believe me, you don't got it. You don't have it, right? And there's days that we realize that, and then there's other days where we're like, I got it. But we're wrong. But legalism and religion is taking the reins of your life back from God. Anytime you operate with that strategy, you're taking the reins back from God. But here's the deal. His inexhaustible power that saved us is the same that is available to us right now, today, every day, forever, to reject the things that God doesn't want for us. It's inexhaustible. It's there to help us. So legalism is focused on the outward, right? Legalism can really only accomplish the outward. Legalism is like, oh, I'm keeping up the appearances. Look at how clean I am. I'm doing all the things. I'm checking all the boxes, you know, selfie right? We're doing enough. I'm behaving better, man. I'm not doing that thing anymore, man. I'm, I'm doing so good. I haven't acted out, you know, but inside you're the same. You're behaving differently, but inside you still want to do those same things. And it's just like you're gritting your teeth. You're just like trying to get through it. That's, that's what legalism does. It's only surface level. Legalism can only accomplish the outward. It's like a really good looking band-aid on a hopelessly infected wound, Right? Eventually, that's going to just bust open, and there's going to be all kinds of ugly stuff coming out. That's what it is. That's what legalism does. But the power of grace is inward. It's God's grace wants to transform us from our heart inside here, out here to our behavior, right? We, we end up, when God's grace is working in us, we start saying no to ungodliness because, because we really don't want it. We really don't want that anymore. We really don't want to do those same, same things anymore. From the deepest part of our heart, we, don't, we want to honor God. We're transformed from the inside out. We want what God wants. He changes our desires because we've been transformed. It's real. So Ephesians 3.16 says this, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources that he would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Inner strength, not outward, not human effort. His inner strength inside of us, working out here, transforming us. That's what his grace does. So this is the power of God's grace at work, inner strength, transformation. How many of you know transformation doesn't happen overnight? 
It's a process. Being a product of what God does. This is the power of God's grace at work in our lives. So this is gonna be hard for some of you to hear this morning, um, but this is an answer to one of the questions we asked in the beginning. Why didn't God just take this away? I've, I've given my life to Jesus. Why doesn't he just take this addiction away? Why doesn't he just take this habit away? Why? Because God wants to show you the power of his grace. He wants you to live by his grace. He wants you to submit to his grace. He has something great planned for your life. And he wants to show the world the power of his grace through your life. How you can overcome things that don't seem like you can overcome them. That's why he wants to make you a trophy of his grace. That's why he didn't take it away. And I know that's hard for some of you to hear. Because you're like, that's not what I want. But I'm telling you, it's good. And it's part of his great plan. It's part of what he wants to do through you that only you can do. That he's planned for you to do the good in your life is that you're a trophy of his grace because he wants you to learn how to walk in his grace. He wants you to learn how to submit to him. He wants you to see how good his grace, how powerful his grace is and the people in your orbit to see how good God is. And I know that's a hard thing to hear because a lot of times I just want him to take stuff away. God wants to show the power of his grace through your life, but you can't do it yourself. So religion and legalism says, I, 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 my way. God's inexhaustible grace says, him, him, him. It's his way. Religion says, try harder. I need to stop. I need to do better. I gotta shape up. I just gotta tighten some stuff up. But the power of God's grace says, trust me. Let me. Give it to me. I can. So how do we do this practically? How do we access God's grace to change the things that we know we need to change? Is it just a magic prayer? So to do this, we're going to look at an interaction uh, Jesus had with a woman in chapter, John chapter 4. Okay, so Jesus is in his ministry. He's traveling from town to town, doing miracles, doing his cool Jesus stuff, preaching the good news. Um, and so at one point, him and his disciples were trying to get from one side of Israel to the other, and in the middle was Samaria, where the Samaritans lived, and just like any good American Christian conservative guy, he didn't go through Samaria, he went around, no, I'm just kidding, no, most good Jews didn't associate with Samaritans, they were a different race, different culture, there was a dividing line on their worship, they, the Samaritans were a part of Israel, but then they started to say that, no, we're gonna worship God. We worship the same God, but we don't worship him at the tent of meeting or at the temple. We worship here at this mountain. So we'll worship God, but we're gonna do it our way. And for that reason, um, the Israelites separated themselves from them. But in that culture, man, you didn't even associate with Samaritans. You don't even go through their land. You go around. Even if it's a long way, you're gonna go around. But Jesus wanted to go through so Jesus decides to go through Samaria. Then he sets up at a well, and then he sends his disciples off to go find something to eat. And so a Samaritan woman comes to the well in the middle of the day, which is unusual in that culture because the first thing you did in the morning was to go get water so you'd have water for your camels, your cooking, family, cleaning, all that stuff. But she's there in the middle of the day. 
She's alone. And Jesus starts up a conversation by saying, I mean, hey, this is a good conversation. Hey, uh, can you give me a drink? Um, and so this woman's like, what? First of all, you're a man. Men don't speak to women in our culture, right? And then you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. So she's looking at him like, huh? And she asks him, how are you a Jew speaking to me and asking me for a drink? Well, I'm a woman, like why are you lowering yourself? And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink because I wanna give you living water. He's saying to her right now, just, he came through Samaria to this well in the middle of the day when no one else comes out but her. And he's saying to her, I wanna quench your thirst. I wanna give you life. I wanna fill the need that you are trying to fill with something else. I wanna give you living water. And she's still not getting it. So they're going back and forth talking about water. And she's like, this guy is some crazy Jew, doesn't know where he's at apparently. The heat's gotten to him. And uh, he just didn't know his place either. He's just weird. And so they go back and forth for a little bit. And then Jesus says, okay, call your husband. So let's read the rest in John 4, 17 through 26. So she says, I don't have a husband, the woman answered. You're right in saying you don't have a husband, Jesus told her. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with is now not your husband. So what you say is true. I can see you're a prophet, sir, the woman said. Oh, okay. Oh, you're a prophet. We've got a religious guy here. All right. Let's go. I want to have a religious argument. Tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped here on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is where we must worship. Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when you won't worship the Father either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You really don't know the God you're worshiping. While we worship the God we know, for salvation comes from the Jews, but the time is coming, and in fact, it's already here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for these are the kind of worshipers the Father wants. God is spirit, so worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, well, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain all this to us. And Jesus replied, I am the one who is speaking to you. I am. So she wants to have this, this argument. He's telling her, I want to give you living water. And then he kind of calls her out on some stuff. And she's like, oh, okay, well. You know, but we do all this religious stuff here. Look, look, this is all the working. It's like, and you Jews just don't like us because we're, we're doing all the things our way, you know, and it's, it's about effort. It's about effort. I don't want to talk about the fact that I've had five husbands, right? I'm going to talk about my effort. And Jesus says, you're worshiping a God you don't know. You're worshiping a God you don't know. We, we're actually worshiping God because we're doing it the way that, he's told us to do. You can't, you can't worship God and then do it your own way. So Jesus was after this woman to give her something. She was like, "Now nah, I'm good. I'm doing this my way. Jesus said, you're not worshiping the way that pleases me. So it's not worship. You're worshiping something else. So when you're trying to be good, when you're trying to go around, you're, you're trying to be better, you're trying to do, do more, try harder, you're going around 
the way Jesus has given us to address our sin, to address our habits. If we're trying to deal with our sins and addictions and bad habits any other way than God's way, he's no longer our God. We've said, I trust you to save me, but I don't trust you to help me with the hardest problems in my life, the things that I can't get rid of. We've taken them out of the spot of God and we're filling our own way. And so this Samaritan woman wants to talk about all the things she's doing. And Jesus says, I wanna give you living water, but the way to me is to submit to my will, is to submit to me, to do it the way that I've told you. You can worship me only the way that I've set for you to worship me. This woman was probably an addict of some sort. You know, she had alienated friends, family, community. No one wanted to be around her. She was there in the middle of the day with no one else around. She had to come and get water when no one else was around. Um, she'd probably made a mess of her life, but she wanted to talk about how she worships and have a religious debate. But Jesus shows up just for her and says, I wanna heal you. I accept you. My grace is for you. He, he purposed this whole thing to come to her right where she's at and say, that thirst you're trying to fill, I wanna satisfy it. I accept you, I see you, I love you. I know your life's a mess, but my grace is for you. And he's saying that to us today. He's saying that to you today. My grace is for you. Jesus, in this verse, he's saying, look, I'm looking for people who will worship me truly to abandon themselves to me in my way, to abandon their way of trying to deal with their habits and addictions and to lay it down to my way. That's true worship, to abandon yourself completely. I want people who will let my love and my grace transform them. Transform them. So today, God's not asking for better, harder. He's offering you his grace and to receive it and to walk in it is the only way to please him. Jesus says, I wanna quench that spiritual thirst you have with living water. I wanna quench it so that you don't have to use those bad habits. You don't have to use those addictions. I wanna quench, I wanna, I wanna get it at the root. That's what he wants to do today. So many of us are trying to walk this walk ourselves in our own way, right? We started out with grace. We started dealing with some ugly stuff though and then we took the reins back. Some of us have had actually the Holy Spirit point out some stuff in our lives that we need to hand over to him right? Jesus has shown up in your life, just like this Samaritan woman. He's, he's shown up in your life in the middle of your mess. And then he says, hey, trust me with this. I want to heal this in you. I want to deal with this. I am he. I can do it. Some of you have had that moment. You've had him show up. And he said, look, give it to me. I can do it. Give it to me. Let me. Trust me with it. But we hold on to it because we know trusting God with, with that entails honesty it might entail getting help. Like the, the, the scary thing is like you don't know what the path of victory God has planned for you looks like, but we want, we want to control it. We're not willing to let go because it might mean I have to confess this. It might mean I ha might have to expose myself. I might have to be vulnerable. I might have to get help. I might have to change some things. Some stuff's going to cramp my style. I might have to put up some guardrails that seem to everybody else that don't make sense. And then they're going to ask me why I put those guardrails up and then I'm gonna have to explain myself. So no, I'm not, I hold on to this. Instead of trusting God to help walk you through the consequences and the outcome. How come you don't have a TikTok? Well, you know, thinking about, 
do I explain that? God's grace isn't some magic prayer. It's God's inexhaustible power and goodness that can only be released when we let go of addressing our problems our way. God's grace gives us the strength to address our sin his way, but that's terrifying for us, right? It's terrifying to be able to let go, not knowing what it's gonna look like, who's gonna know. So let me tell you my story. I've been there. Um, from the age of 10, I, you know, I was hopelessly addicted to porn. And uh, I, was, I was here at this church. I was serving in ministry through my teenage years, you know, uh, acted like I didn't have an issue with it, pretended, you know, I lived a double life. I wouldn't get help. I wouldn't talk to anybody about it. Because then as I progressed here, and I was like, well, people are expecting me to have this handle. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to deal with this. So I just push it away, push it away, push it away. Hide it in the dark. But it was killing me on the inside. And I dealt with that. And I did that for 15 years, 15 years in the middle of church. I was a worship leader. I ended up being a worship leader at another church, right? And, and one day, I just, I'd had enough. And I just said, God, if, if your grace isn't big enough to overcome this, then like, I'm done believing in this. I'm done believing in this. I'm done putting on this show. And I felt God say like, give it to me and do what you know you're supposed to do. Give it to me, just give it to me. So I knew that God's way started with me bringing my addiction into the light, but I didn't wanna do it. Eventually I got tired enough and I let him have it. And God, it did cost me, there was consequences. It almost destroyed my marriage. Um, I had to step down from my position. I took, I had to take a long break from ministry. You know, I just thought, man, it's a done deal, right? But God's grace got me through it. God's grace freed me. He gave me the strength to get through those consequences. He walked me through it. And when I said yes and gave it to him, he opened doors that weren't open to me before. I got help. I got, a, I, I, I got some counseling in my life. I had to go, I, we, we did marriage restoration and my, my marriage was restored. We're still together and now we have two kids. It was almost a done deal because I had lived a double life. I was deceptive. She didn't even know the real me because I kept it hidden. The people at church didn't know the real me. I was a hypocrite. I thought, man, you know, like, here I am doing this, all this stuff, but like, God's power really isn't working in my life, so this is all fake. And like, how can God forgive a hypocrite like me? But he's done it, and he's restored me. And I'm here today to tell you, God's grace can do it. Whatever it is that you're dealing with that you think is insurmountable, that no one can know, that no, no matter how hard I've tried, I can't, I can't get over it. There's no way. Maybe people have told you, it's like, yeah, that's just, that's just the way it is. Nobody overcomes that. I had Christians in my life tell me like, yeah, every guy's just gonna deal with that for the rest of their life and they're never gonna overcome it. It's not true. It's not true. That's not where God wants us to live. God can do it. And so I'm here. I'm a trophy of his grace. I'm restored. I'm walking in recovery. I'm recovered. I'm a recovered addict. And I can tell you that his grace is power. It's, it's his strength. And it's inexhaustible. It goes beyond all my failures. God's been so patient with me. He's, 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 been, he's restored me. He's helped me deal with the consequences of my sin 
and to get to a better place. So it starts with you bringing it into the light. The reason we can't change is because we're still trying to do it our way. Grace says, trust me with it. Grace says, give it to me. It starts by bringing it into the light. Sin grows best in the dark. It runs and it ruins your life in the dark. God's grace wasn't gonna work in this area of my life because I wasn't willing to let it because I knew that it would require obedience and I didn't know what else it would require. But it's been the best thing ever just to give it to him because I can say, look, he can do it. He can do it. He can do it. He's gonna bring you through it. He's gonna walk you through it. He's gonna help you deal with the consequences no matter how big, no, how like insurmountable they feel. He can help you. The way God wants you and I to overcome is to abandon ourselves to him so the power of his grace can be on full display. When we are weak, he is strong. We talk about that a lot. But we can only be strong in his grace if we're honest. You gotta be honest. You gotta be honest. You gotta say, God, I cannot do this. I need your grace. And I wanna do this your way. You're only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as you are honest. You're not strong enough to do this. To tap into his grace, you've gotta say, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I've been through a 12-step program. And so the first step is admitting that you have a problem. It's honesty. And then your second step is to turn to God's power to restore you. Turn to God's power. You can't do it. You've got a problem. You can't do it yourself. That's humility. And then the third step is turning our lives and our will over to God's care. Lord, I trust you to take care of this. Whatever, whatever, however victory comes, I give it to you to take care of and to make it happen. So this is the third step prayer. And this is out of an Alcoholics Anonymous book. And if you ever get a chance to browse through it, it's really got some incredible devotions. It just makes me tear up. So here's the third step prayer. It says, God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I might better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I do your will always. I offer myself to you. And so they they put this, this comment below that. And it says, we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Today's the day to at last utterly abandon yourself to him. If you've got something that you can't kick, utterly abandon yourself to his way, to his plan for victory in your life. He can do it. The beauty of God's purpose and his grace is that he wants to show the world what his grace has done in you and in me so that we can share his grace with others. He wants your life to reach out and bring someone else into his grace. He wants your life to bring someone else into the orbit of his his mighty, powerful grace. And that's why he hasn't taken this away. He wants you to learn how to deal with it. He wants you to learn how to walk with him through it. Religion and legalism says do more, do better, shape up, hide, 
God's grace says, trust more. Trust me. I got you. And I, I had this thought like, you know, and someone's asked me this, does it make you uncomfortable talking about all that and your addiction and your failures? I was like, sometimes. But it's so good and I'm not gonna shut up about it because God's grace has done a mighty work in my life. And I know he's done it because he can do it in your life. He wants to do it. He's gonna use my life to set people free and that's what he wants to do in your life. There's people in your life, in your orbit that need to be set free and they're not gonna get set free until you're free. He has a great and mighty work in your life that he wants to do, whatever it is. What, overeating, overspending, gambling, scrolling forever. You're addicted to your phone. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has shown you, you need to get rid of. He can do it, but you gotta do it his way. Romans 5.20 says, yet where sin was powerful, God's gift of undeserved grace was even more powerful. God's grace is even more powerful than your biggest sin, your hardest sin, your hardest habit to kick, the, the consequences of possibly exposing that and really dealing with it. God's grace is bigger than that. He can take you through it. He can get you through that. He'll, he'll, he's gonna walk with you and bring you to the other side. His grace is bigger and he's gonna bring you through it. It starts with admitting you have a problem, that you can't fix it. It means bringing it to the light and then abandoning yourself to whatever God's plan is for victory in your life. And I know that's scary because I've been there. That's me, I've been there. But this is true worship. This is what Jesus was talking about. The true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth and this is what it is. It's not singing songs, which is part, this, that is worship. It's not just showing up to church. This is true worship. It's not presenting your Sunday best. It's abandoning our whole selves to him, even the ugly stuff. Abandoning ourselves before him. So give it to him today. I'm asking you to give it to him today. Jesus is here today saying, I wanna give you living water. I wanna quench that thirst that you're trying to quench somewhere else. I wanna quench it today. I'm here. I've come to this time and place and appointment. I'm here right now. Give it to me. I can do it. I am he. I'm the one who can. And then abandon yourself to him. Tr truly worship him. Abandon him. Abandon yourself. If he's the God that saves you, he's the God that can uphold you and sustain you through anything. Whatever it is, you can trust him. He's here. He's with, he's with you. He's inexhaustible in his love. He's inexhaustible in his excitement about who you are. He sees what you can't see in yourself. You see yourself as a failure. He sees the great things he's planned for you, but you gotta hand yourself over to him. He's inexhaustible in his ability to love you, heal you, and strengthen you today, right now, forever. So what I wanna do is I know, I know this is speaking to some of you in here. So I want all of us just to open our hands and I'm gonna pray. Jesus, we open up our hands as a sign of surrender, Lord. Where we've held the reins in our lives, where we won't let you deal with our sin, where we won't let you deal with our bad habits and our addictions, God, we release them to you. We give them to you today, and we trust you. We trust them into your care, that you not only wanna heal us and want us to be free, but you truly care. You care about all the details wrapped up in the complexities of getting over this and what victory looks like. You've got a plan, Lord, and we trust you with it. We give it to you, Jesus.
We thank you for your grace, God. And we say, no more legalism, no more law, no more hiding, God. We just give it to you. We release it to you. And by your grace, help us to live for you and to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.